0: Hi all, welcome back to part two of episode 37 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or been murdered abroad. So we'll just get straight into this episode as it's part two of the David Sneddon disappearance in the Yunnan province of China. So if you haven't listened to part one, you have to, really. It won't make any sense. We describe the landscape of this area all about David, um, but this particular episode, will get into really the theories around what happened to David and some pretty major developments in the case that have happened over the years. Um, And this is an episode you won't want to miss because it may hold the answers to what happened to David. So where we left off We had left off with 24 year old American student David Snedden. He had disappeared in China's Yunnan province, which is in the western part of China. After crossing Tiger Leaping Gorge, which is a two-day hike, which is incredibly beautiful, um, he had been living in Beijing, studying Mandarin. He was fluent in Mandarin um, and Korean, on top of English, of course, and he was from Utah. He This was kind of his last hurrah in China before returning back to the United States um, and completing his final year of his bachelor's degree. Um, and David had disappeared, last being seen in the city of Shangri-La, which is beyond the gorge. Um, It is kind of onwards in the hike. It's quite a large city. And David's brother, um, his two brothers and his father, had gone immediately to China to look for David. They had walked the entire Tiger Leaping Gorge hike and they had pretty much ended up in the city of Shangri-La and found... I think 12 people between the hike and the city of Shangri La who recognized David could say that he had been in the city. He had eaten at a Korean restaurant in Shangri La a number of times. The owner was very familiar with him. But As these things go, when the Chinese police decided to actually investigate his disappearance and not leave it to his family to have to do in a country that they had never been to, suddenly all the people who recognised David and knew all about him and had spent considerable amounts of time with him suddenly did not think that they had seen him at all. They changed their stories the minute that the Chinese police started asking them questions. So, from there, let's get into the rest of the case. So, the investigation into David's disappearance in the Yunnan province in China was very quickly shut down after his disappearance in August 2004. Local police very quickly closed the case. They really didn't do a whole lot. As I went into in depth in episode one. They just said that David had fallen into the river that ran beside the gorge um, and he had drowned. This is despite the fact that he was last seen in a city beyond the gorge. He had already crossed um, the part where the river was. He was in a city of 130,000 people um, and he was intending on leaving and heading back to Beijing to then fly to Korea to visit his brother Michael. When he didn't arrive, Michael sounded the alarm. This is also despite all the people who have died um, falling into the river, which is pretty rare. Um, It's a well-worn path, this hike. This is despite all the people who had died this way. Their bodies had always, in every instance, been recovered from the river. This is not the Ganges, this river. Um, It is likely that the person would be recovered either on one of the banks of the river or they would end up somewhere along the river being washed up. So that takes us to April 2011 when this case really takes just like a crazy turn, which honestly for years I thought that there wasn't a lot to this. Um, I said in the first episode I really did a U-turn with what I thought on this, but the more I actually researched it for myself and I looked at what they had to say, the more I honestly think that this is the truth of what happened to David and I'm not one to buy into conspiracy theories. Um, I'm usually the one to say someone had an accident, they just weren't found Um, in this instance. I just honestly think that that is not the case and this could probably make it the most weird and fascinating and horrible case I've covered so far. The Sneddon family back in Utah in 2011, um, they were contacted by a high-level US official who had some interesting information that they had come across that they think thought the Sneddons should know. This was that David had been kidnapped by the North Korean government and was being kept hostage in North Korea. Now, we all know about North Korea. Um, you're probably living under a rock if you don't. When I talked about human rights human rights violations in China, um, <laughs> that is kind of, a, if you think that's bad, North Korea, um, the way that they're living, it just should not be allowed in the world we live in today. Um, it's disgusting the way that the people there are forced to live and that they are not able to leave and how they're cut off from the rest of the world. Um, and the Kim family um, disgusting as well. So we all know about North Korea and what they've done to people. And in the future, I will be doing a very in-depth story um, about a instance, a case in North Korea, which will really break down. Um, It won't be for a while. (laughs) There's a lot I want to do in regards to preparation for it before I do, but it will talk a lot about pretty much how you'll end up if you're kept hostage there. So I'm not going to go too much into North Korea and what goes on there. I think we all are pretty aware, but I did want to read you this portion of the article that I have relied on heavily, which I've cited at the beginning of the previous episode from the Outside magazine, which is an amazing online magazine, which does all of these long form deep dives into these cases and are written by people who are familiar with the areas, which is amazing. So they wrote... (laughs) Quote, "At night, satellite photos of the Korean Peninsula show South Korea crackling with activity and light. By contrast, its neighbor and longtime adversary, North Korea, remains virtually dark. Surprisingly little is known about the so-called Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Even today, information trickles across its borders only in small doses." It is considered the most repressive and corrupt nation on the planet, ruled by the Kim family, a gangster dynasty whose patriarch, King Kim Il-sung, took power at the end of World War II. He was succeeded by his son, Kim Jong-il, and more recently his grandson, Kim Jong-un, all three of them maintaining power by brainwashing citizens with relentless propaganda and enslaving detractors in brutal prison camps. Americans have now come to know North Korea as a reliable source of headlines that are both bizarre, Dennis Rodman claims Kim Jong-un didn't actually have uncle executed and fed to dogs, and frightening, North Korea vows to use new form of nuclear test. What most Americans don't know is that North Korea has been systematically kidnapping foreigners for the past 60 years. Since the Korean War armistice in 1953, North Korea is suspected to have abducted 3,824 South Koreans, in addition to more than 100,000 taken by the during the war, and as many as 100 Japanese and 200 Chinese. According to the US Committee for Human Rights in North Korea, there have been at least 25 additional abductees from North countries, including France, Italy, Jordan, Lebanon, the Netherlands, Romania, and Thailand. So really from there, the article goes on to list a number of different cases of people who have gone missing. It is a really great article. Um, I named it at the beginning of part one. Um, It's did North Korea abduct a American hiker in China. So definitely look that up. Um, just to break down a couple of cases that it talks it talks about. Um, I don't really have the details here, but I've read it a couple of times, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, a couple of young adults were abducted in Japan um, while they were out on a date. They were kept hostage for many years. Um, an American soldier, which is probably one of the most famous cases of a foreigner being abducted in North, by North Korea, he was abducted um, he was working on the border. I think it was during the Korean War. Um, and he was kept hostage from 1965 until 2004. And he will come into play in a little bit. Now, there is an uh, episode of a podcast. It's one of my favourite podcasts, um, The Dollop, if you don't listen to it. It's, I've been listening to it for a few years now. And I've listened to like hundreds of episodes of theirs. It is my go-to comedy podcast that will always make me laugh. But it is also super fascinating and you learn so much. I wish history classes in school had been taught the way that this podcast tells history stories. But on one of the episodes, Gareth, who's usually the listener and Dave's the talker, Gareth tells the story of The episode is called Pulgasari, um, and the story is the story of a uh, Korean director who was really big in the 1970s in Korea. He was a really big film director um, and an early kind of pioneer of the Korean film industry. He was, his wife was abducted um, from Hong Kong by the North Koreans, um, and it was essentially a way to lure this guy to look for her. And then he was abducted in Hong Kong by the North Koreans. They were kept hostage for years and years. Um, I think over 10 years, um, people obviously thought that they had been abducted, but no one really knew what had happened. They were abducted under Kim Jong Il, the father who's now dead. Um, in the 70s, and he, they were essentially abducted because he wanted a great director for the North Korean film industry. And he chose this guy, he abducted him, and then he forced him to make movies for him. Um, his story is incredible, how they got away is incredible. Um, and the dollop tells the story so amazingly and enjoyably. It is kind of not a serious way to tell it, but they talk a lot about this guy's story, um, the human rights violations in North Korea. And they quote a lot about this guy and what he went through. Um, He was starved. He was beaten. At one point he was in prison for five years for essentially refusing to make movies for them initially, um, but they never broke his spirit they really think that they own the world, North Korea, and that they can abduct people from internationally. This guy was abducted from um, from um, South Korea. Um, the army guy from in the 1960s who was held for 40 years, he was abducted um, on the border. Though A lot of Japanese people have been abducted in Japan. Um, it just goes on and on. And David's case when I get into it, you'll see why it makes a lot of sense that he was abducted, in particular, the area that he was in, in China, which has a border essentially very close with North Korea. um, And they're really in cahoots with North Korea. Um, So yeah, listen to the Dollop episode called Pulgosari. Now that's where the Yunnan province comes in. So despite its beautiful setting, um, it has regularly been a thoroughfare for what's called the Asian Underground Railroad, which is secret routes which have essentially got people out of North Korea, refugees through China, um, who were then able to resettle in parts of Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, things like that these were very much um for decades and decades have been run by christian activists from the west who live in this part of china in the yunnan province um much like david many of them are fluent in korean it it really does help um obviously and if they manage to get over the border um Not many do each year, but it does happen. Um, If they're able to escape North Korea onto China um, or into another country, um, they're really then a refugee um, and they can't be forced to go back and then they can apply for asylum and things like that. So, but in this case with China, because China is in cahoots with North Korea, um, the refugees that escape North Korea and go through the Yunnan province are not welcomed with open arms by the Chinese authorities. They have to also escape the Chinese authorities, which is fucking terrifying when you think about it. Um, the Chinese authorities will not harbour North Koreans. They don't give a fuck about what's going on um, up there. And so these kind of secret undergrounds have been formed to get them out, which I think is, if there is God's work, um, they're doing God's work, these Christian missionaries who are running these um So unfortunately, because of that, there's also North Korean secret agents um, who operate along this route. This is all proven stuff. This is not conspiracy theories. Um, People have been nabbed for doing this many, many times, and it continues on today, even though the rest of the Western world seems to turn a blind eye to it. They regularly patrol this route, um, despite the fact that they're in China um, and not their own country. Searching for fugitives who have escaped North Korea, um leaving North Korea is pretty much a no go, so being born into North Korea is just a horrible thing. North Korea um, is no stranger to abducting people or kidnapping people as i 've said, um, and as I said i 'll be doing a big case coming up on a person who was imprisoned um, in North Korea. If you know the news in recent years, you'll know the case. Um, And they got out, but maybe not in the shape that they should have been let out in. Um, And I'll go in hard on who I like to call Little Kim then. Um, Trump calls him Little Rocket Man. And I like that, personally. So... In 2019, um, and I'll get into that at the end, the Snedden family, speaking of Trump, really hoped that Donald Trump would bring up the disappearance of David Snedden with Kim Jong-un um, when he went to the demilitarized zone and they had their meeting um, in Korea. But um, as far as we know, that, that didn't happen and that wasn't brought up. So let's get into theories. So the way I see it, David's disappearance and its theories of what happened to him can be broken down into two separate categories, and then him, under each one of them, he's like a family tree, and it's essentially a million different theories under those, but the ones that I'm going to present are the ones that are most talked about, um, and those are that uh, David is alive or he is dead. Now, under dead is that he somehow had an accident on the trail, which is the belief of the Chinese police and government, who really did little to look into this case, if anything. Um, As I went into deeply in part one, David's family really did the majority of the groundwork finding witnesses and things like that. Um, And if he had an accident, as I've said a couple of times already, um, everybody who does on this trail, which is a well-worn trail, there's people going up and down it all the time. Um, I don't believe when he was there, it was it had any flash floods, anything like that, that is generally the cause of what causes people to go um, into the river. Even if that does happen and they are killed, the bodies are always recovered. Now, this is the belief that I always had along with the Chinese police and the Um, Americans who also kind of back this claim. um, And this theory, even though his body never turned up um, for years, I always just thought that it was an accident and everything else that was talked about was um, overblown or just conspiracy theories. But looking into it um, for this particular podcast, I have done a complete 180. Um, So now I'm going to get into the theory that I 100% 100% standby, I would say, at this point in time um, from everything that I've read and I've read constantly on this. I've been really sucked into it and everything I know about North Korea from my own research. Um, and I'm quite interested in learning about North Korea. Um, I would never go there. But the theory is that David was abducted in the Yunnan province by... North Korean agents who, as I said when I talked about um, just earlier, I talked about how they operate in this area because it's also where defectors kind of escape through, but they've got to essentially lay low, I guess, in this area. Now, I'm going to put forward some really compelling evidence that David was abducted and a lot of facts and information that has come out supporting this. So, There have been three cases of people being taken from the Yunnan province in China by North Korea, um, proven cases, um, that they were taken from Korean cafes. Now, remember in the first episode, David was last seen in the Yak Bar. Um, The woman who owned it recognised him immediately when his father and his brothers were searching and ended up there. She gave information which pretty much proved it could have only been David. She was certain. um, She was all chatty. And then when the Chinese police got to her, she suddenly changed her story. So these Korean-run cafes, research and um, defector information and also intelligence um, has shown that a lot of them are uh, tied in with the North Korean North Korean um government and these kind of spies that are in this area. Um so they're Korean cafes in the Yunnan province in China. But because we're in this vicinity of Korea, North Korea, um they kind of are in cahoots with them. Now I wish you could hear what's going on outside mine right now. Um, Dead quiet. That just scared the hell out of me. Dead quiet. Um, Lockdown curfew about to start right now at 8 o'clock and two guys just going absolutely ballistic at each other in the street which never happens around here um my heart just like stopped because it sounded so close to my front door and my cat just started growling sorry for that um I just thought I'd leave that in because it's like a true crime maybe thing that could have happened just outside so intelligence shows that about 30,000 workers um, in Korean-run cafes in China have sent more than $100 million in cash um, annually to the North Korean regime, um, which in turn pri- provides cover for spies in China and Korea um, and Japan and other parts of the world um, in this region of Asia, where they are taking people who may be of some use to them and kidnapping them into North Korea. Strangely, um, abductions generally take place in August, the month that David went missing. I don't know if this is because of the good weather. Um, From all David's pictures, it seems very dry and, um, you know, very warm and summery. He was wearing just light clothing and things like that. I don't know if wet weather kind of impedes their ability to abduct. Now, there is a guy called Chuck Downs. He is the executive director of... um, of the Committee for Human Rights in North Korea. And he once worked as the Pentagon's East Asia um, Deputy Director. So he comes in pretty high standing and he's got pretty good references. Now, he was introduced to this case I believe around 2011, that is when he got in touch with the Snedons, um, seven years after David disappeared. He looked into the case and he believes that every single part of David's disappearance looks exactly like what a North Korean abduction looks like. And he is the director of the Committee for Human Rights in North Korea. So he is an expert in everything um, in relation to every case. There has been everything about North Korea um, as, as much as you can be when it's essentially just dark over there. Now, he believes that David has been in North Korea this entire time. um, And his quote was, quote, I believe that David is in North Korea as strongly as you can believe anything. I don't see any other explanation. I just do not doubt it, unquote. And that was said to um, the writer Vogel of the Outside Online article as well. He says that there's no evidence of an abduction which generally points to a professional one, Um, that David has been essentially whisked away in some capacity from the city of Shangri-La where a number of these Korean cafes that are in cahoots with um, the North Korean spies um, are operating and obviously David would never have known nor would most of us that this could honestly be going on in this little city in Western China, um, until I guess it happens to you. Now, most people, including Chuck Downs, believe that David would have been a massive asset to North Korea. And he definitely would be. Not only did he speak English and they really want to learn English there, especially the higher ups. Um Kim Jong-un and that speak English, if they hate the Western world so much, they want to learn English for some reason. Obviously, it's to stay on top of information that comes out from the West who speaks English. Um, But he knew English, Korean and Mandarin. So, he is an incredible asset. Now, one of the most compelling pieces of information, which really, I believe, points in the direction that this is what happened, is that on July 9th, literally almost a month to the day before David disappeared, one of the few remaining English teachers who was an American um, in North Korea, he was released from 50 years of being a hostage there. That is Charles Jenkins, who I talked about earlier. He, I believe in the Korean War, he was abducted in 1965 by North Korea. Um, He really essentially what happened is that he was working on the border. He really did not want to be there. He wanted to be sent home to America. So what he did was he stepped over the border to North Korea, thinking that what would happen would be that they would deport him immediately to America and he wouldn't have to serve there anymore. Instead, what happened is they realized he was American um, and that he would be an excellent English teacher. Um, and he was held there until 2004, 40 years. It's, um, it's just, no, 50 years, isn't it? No, 40 years um, until he was released. Now, if you want a kind of silver lining of this whole story, one of the things um, that I really kind of liked looking into, or not liked, but it kind of gave me a little bit of hope is that Charles Jenkins, when he was abducted um, in 1965, one of the things that they do is that they generally have arranged marriages for these hostages, who they use as teachers. Um, you really can't disobey. There's no way of escaping. You're kept under lock and key generally, but they arrange a marriage, and generally you go on to have children. And they know by doing this that they that would be a tie to keep you in North Korea that the threat of you leaving and whatever could possibly happen to your wife and children um, or your husband and children is enough to keep you there, to keep them safe. Um, And I think this is kind of a mental form of torture that they know works. Now, Charles Jenkins, (laughs) I haven't got the quotes here, but in the article, they have quotes from him where he was introduced to this beautiful Japanese woman who had been abducted and was living there and they had an arranged marriage which he like thought she was drop dead gorgeous and fell in love with her and they were together this entire time they had two children and when he was released and she was as well um and their children they still live in Japan together and i guess the one thing that came out of it for him was that he said he met the love of his life. So I don't know, but that was one silver lining. Now, around this time as well, um, Chinese authorities had arrested a very high profile North Korean defector. His name is Kang Byong sop And this was near the Yunnan province border that the Yunnan province shares with Laos, the country of Laos. I've done one episode about Ryan Tchaikovsky in Laos. Now, this high-profile defector was a chemical engineer in North Korea. He cl- he clearly would know a lot about the ins and outs of what they're planning there. Um, and he was apparently carrying documents about North Korea's chemical we- weapons testing on prisoners. In North Korea, you don't generally last long in a prison. Um, They have hard labour, which is a pretty antiquated notion, but they still do. Um, And just the sanitary conditions and the treatment, um, a lot of crazy things have happened to prisoners in North Korea on top of being starved and beaten. Now, the fact that the Chinese authorities arrested this high-profile North Korean defector to Chuck Downs, this proved that there was clearly a relationship between China and North Korea, and that they had understanding of what each was doing. Um, now, when Chuck Downs contacted David Snedden's parents, um, Roy and Kathleen, they really did not buy this theory at all. He was trying to sh- kind of show them evidence that he believed that this is what happened to David. So he asked them if they would come to Washington, DC, where he was holding a conference to meet families of abductees of North Korea, in particular Japanese and Korean abductees whose families live in America. They said that they would go um, with an open mind, of course. They attended with some skepticism, but they very quickly realized how many parts of the puzzle fit David's story, um, the ties to the Yunnan province, these Korean cafes and bars where David had, I guess, unwittingly been hanging out, um, the spies in this area, the links between China and North Korea. And obviously the fact that people's stories just suddenly changed and everyone just shut down when the Chinese police caught up with them. Now, Here's even more compelling information. In 2012, eight years after David disappeared in the Yunnan province in the city of Shangri-La where these operations take place, another North Korean defector um, gave very kind of, they called it quote unquote flawless intelligence to the not-for-profit group called the National Association for the Rescue of Japanese Kidnapped by North Korea. Now, this flawless quote unquote intelligence that he provided to um, this not for profit once he had defected allegedly contained Chinese security documents that said that in August 2004, the month that David went missing, a 23 or 24 year old Ameri- American studying at a Chinese university. David was doing that, was arrested in Yunnan province on charges of helping illegal residents. Now, this defector um, in the um, security documents that he provided, um, they essentially said that David had been arrested by Chinese authorities for helping illegal residents in I guess, Shangri-La, because that was the last location he was, um, and that they had released him in September, the following month. um, And he, in turn, had been handed over to five North Korean secret agents who were in the area searching for defectors from North Korea. Now, this not-for-profit organisation who this information was given to was certain it had to be David, and very clearly it has to be. It was August 2004. 24 year old American studying at a Chinese university. Um, but that does indicate that when his father and his brothers got there in September, I believe September 13th, the following month, he had been released, um, and he had been handed over to North Korea and that they knew this entire time when he was, when they were searching for David, Also in 2012, the same year, all this information was coming in pretty much from the time Chuck Downs contacted them. All this information started flowing in. Another lead came in. This was from a man in South Korea. He had close ties to the North Korean defector community. They all stay quite tight knit, the defectors, um, that a defector essentially is someone who has escaped North Korea in some capacity his identity could not be revealed to protect his safety. Now, this man contacted the Sneddens directly, um, and he said that his knowledge was that an American man in his early 30s who matched David's description had been spotted teaching English outside Pyongyang, which if you don't know, that's the capital of North Korea. Now, they had no evidence to basically back up his claim, but Chuck Downs said about this particular claim. Quote, he would be in a highly controlled environment and most North Koreans would not even know he was there, unquote. Which he said would make verification that it was David difficult. But you can't deny all of these intelligence documents, security documents, defectors telling information that they know firsthand. There's no reason why they would give over this information unless you kind of buy into the fact that they feel like they would have to give over intelligence to stay in another country, but I really don't think that that's the case. These people came forward, many of them years after they defected, um, to provide this information, but it was really only once it hit the news and became a little bit viral that this was the theory that they were sticking with, that this is what happened to David. Also in 2012, this one in November, a family friend of the Sneddon family filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the US State Department um, to get all records related to David's disappearance in China. Now, this family friend was sent 14 documents. um, Sorry, this family friend was told that there were 14 documents, but they were given one. Um, The US government would not release the other 13. um, And this is really so depressing um, when in regards to trying to get information, his parents and things like that. It's so... Stupid, but essentially getting information for them has been proven difficult because it's not David that's applying for the information and they've repeatedly been told that David needs to apply for information on his own disappearance, which is just insanity. So they said that they couldn't release the other 13 because of, quote, interest of national defence or foreign relations, unquote. The one document that the family friend was able to obtain said that China had no found no evidence of David. That's literally it. Now, really the most up-to-date information in David's case is, as I said earlier, that the family had, when they found out that Donald Trump was kind of making that very historical um, visit to the demilitarized zone, the DMZ, on the border of North and South Korea um, to meet with Kim Jong-un for a photo op and they did have a meeting. They really hit the news trying to urge Trump to meet, um, to basically ask Kim Jong-un about David Snedden's whereabouts during um, this meeting and from what we can tell this did not happen. I keep up to date with a lot of missing people. Um, Most of them are, obviously, (laughs) I do. Um, Most of them are Americans. They seem to make the most news when they do go missing, Um, I guess because of the freedom of the press. I'm very interested in... Americans and foreigners who go missing um, in the Middle East and things like that, who um, are believed to still be alive and held hostage by ISIS and things like that. I have another episode coming up, which goes into um, what, one such person. Actually, I have a couple because I've followed them for years. Um, now, one of them, um, and his name has escaped me at the moment. Um, oh, I followed him for ages. I'm so angry at myself. Um, I followed him for years. He's, if he's alive today, he's considered one of the longest-held prisoners in, um, most likely Iran or Iraq. They believe, um, Bob something, Bob Levinson. Sorry, yep, Bob Levinson. Um, and Trump, to his credit, um, and I will get into this when I do an episode on Bob Levinson because I I'm going too soon. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about. Um. To his credit, Trump has spoken about these people and sought answers that other presidents have not. Um, Barack Obama, instead, when he was able to acquire the release of Bob Levinson in Iran, he instead gave Iran um, millions and millions of dollars. um, And I'm sorry, but... These are the problems with speaking out against or for someone who most people hate. Um, people just shoot them down and get offended and say they try to cancel people. This um, is the reality. And when you read and educate yourself enough, um, that's the truth. He could have... Secured his release instead. If he's alive today, they he is one of the longest held prisoners in this area. They knew he was alive for at least a few years. Um, I personally believe he died years ago, Bob Levinson. Unfortunately, I'll get into that when I do an episode on him. But America was able to secure his release early on, and they chose not to. Um, and instead, kind of placated the people who had done it with millions of dollars. Now, I'm getting around to saying that Donald Trump has sought answers um, for a large number of people who have gone missing or been murdered overseas, um, including Bob Levinson. He has requested a lot of answers in regards to that and got closer than anyone has so far, um, basically shaking rattling some kind of houses and hoping that something shakes out. Um he also was able to get justice for Kayla Mueller and if you don't know about her abduction and murder um in the Middle East by ISIS um and the torture she was put through um when he blew that motherfucker away who tortured Kayla um and then ultimately killed her. That that was a great day and I'm not afraid to say it. So He did not ask, um, as far as we know, about the disappearance of David Steddon because I think mainly because the US, all the documents that he was provided from the US State Department would really point to what China's breakdown is that David drowned and has been dead this entire time. I think what gets passed on to um, the president at the time is that information and then I do not think that they're going to chase that up if that's what all of his advisors are saying happened. But then again, this happened in 2004 um, and was it Bush was in then um, and then Obama came in um, and no one brought him up in all the meetings with China that Obama had um all the kind of times that they could have. And I haven't seen any quotes from any, either of the presidents that when David went missing were kind of overlapping around that time. So you can't really blame Trump um, for something that happened when someone else was president then, and then someone came in after that who was president for years and did two terms um, and never once kind of brought up David Snedden, But yeah, so the next theory is that I suppose that David was met with foul play in another way um, and this was some sort of not a cover-up but it just hasn't been discovered or that it he was murdered by someone Chinese. It had nothing to do with North Korea um, and the Chinese covered it up for the Chinese, if you get what I mean. Um, I There's no evidence I can find online of anyone arguing this theory. I kind of have been thinking about it and one of my theories that I kind of was floating was that maybe there was the intelligence that David was abducted, um, well, arrested in China for helping illegal people living there Um, and he was arrested for the Chinese because that's a no-go. You're not supposed to help defectors there. So I was thinking maybe he got arrested and something happened to him in in um, jail in China, and they 've covered it up for themselves that 's the other theory, but that 's my theory um, that I kind of floated i can 't find that from anyone else and that kind of flies in the face of all the defectors and all the intelligence saying that um, saying that North Korea's involved, obviously. So to break down what my theory is, it's not too complex. It really just goes along with everything I've kind of said previously for the last 50 minutes. Um, I think that David was in this area for completely innocent reasons. I think he was just hiking and exploring um, and then going to go back to Lijiang, then to Beijing and then on to Seoul to visit his brother and then home to um, Utah. But I think that when he got to the city of Shangri-La, which I talked about on episode one, Um, I think that he was eating in that Korean restaurant three times over two days. I think because he was chatty based on everything that everyone who met him along the trail initially said until they turned around and said he wasn't. Um, I think that they very quickly realised the owners um, and other people who were either dining in the restaurant who had dodgy intentions um, or police that came into the restaurant um, that he spoke Mandarin and Korean and they saw kind of dollar signs to Ching. Um, he'd be a amazing thing to trade to North Korea for whatever. So I think that the whole Chinese security documents that said an American was arrested for a month into the September and then released to North Korea, um, and that they gave the reason that he was arrested for helping illegal, um, people living there. He was not in Shangri-La long enough, I think, to kind of get in with people who were doing things like that, or even to make any kind of connections. I think he was just wandering around, staying in his guest house. He ate at the restaurant, um, three times over two days. Doesn't really leave him a lot of time to be speaking to locals and seeking out people who are living illegally to help them. Um, over like a two day stay. That's, that's just crazy. So I think that what happened was when he was in that Korean restaurant, um, I don't think that female owner has anything to do with it, weirdly, the one who changed her story. I think all the people who changed their stories just did it out of pure fear. Um, I think they were threatened by the Chinese government and I think they all had good intentions and that they all saw David and they want his family to get answers. Um, I think they gave them the information initially because the Chinese government hadn't come knocking. But the minute that the Chinese government turned up essentially saying, what have you told them? They were so scared because they're living in a communist pretty much dictatorship um, that, of course, they're going to change their stories to protect their livelihoods and their families. They're not going to keep the same story to protect an American that they had met in... kind of a fleeting scenario. So I think that there were people eating in that restaurant um, who saw David, who heard him chatting to other travellers, perhaps, um, and he was talking about speaking Mandarin. Um, Obviously, he's going to be able to use this tons in this area. Um, And in a Korean restaurant, he'd probably make conversation and say, hey, I I speak Korean as well. Um, I think someone who worked there or someone who was dining there regularly heard, him, um, got an idea and essentially went to the police and said, there's a very kind of valuable man in this city at this time. I think the police arrested him under false, um, for false reasons. They just kind of came and arrested him at his guest house and said, you're arrested for helping illegals. And he would have been like, what? What? Like, and, you know, any reason that they could find, I think they probably took him in that month that he was apparently in jail, according to Chinese security documents, I think was them um, teeing up what to do with him. Um, And then essentially once he was so... So called released, they said he ended up in the hands of North Korean um, agents, which then transported him to North Korea. I think he didn't end up in the hands of them, he was given over to them. Um, and this is kind of a scary prospect, everything I just put forward, because it, it indicates that not only is China not the safe country that it claims to be, where it just, you know, makes up ridiculous numbers that couldn't possibly be true. Um, it also points to the fact that if you're in any way multilingual or bilingual or have any kind of intelligence, um, mental aptitude or something that could be utilized, like speaking another language for good things, like teaching poor people or teaching in villages in China, they're on the hunt for people like that. Um, It also says that when David first went missing in the August, that the entire time when he was reported missing, when he didn't turn up to his brother Michaels in Korea, it points to the fact that they knew the whole time. And when he contacted the police in China before they even got there, the dad and the two brothers, it means that they knew where he was and that he was most likely still in China. And then I honestly think he was handed over to the North Koreans. It coincides with him being handed over right when his dad and his brothers get there. And I think that was very intentional. Um, I don't know if he would have been looked at as a spy. I highly doubt it. He's 24 years old. Um, He's on his own. Um, But him being multilingual probably didn't help him because they always think that people who can speak multiple languages, they don't think it's just because they want to, um, increase their hobbies or learn a new skill. It's always some dodgy fucking reason why they think that people do do that. Um, unfortunately. And yeah, it's just, that's, that's really just my theory. Um, and I honestly, if he is in North Korea, most people believe, including the defector who said that he was aware that he was there with a wife and children. I think this is obviously intentional to kind of create ties to keep you there, to keep you in check, to say, if you do this, if you do that, we'll kill your wife, we'll kill your children. I think if he is there, which I honestly 100% believe that he is, that he he's 40 now. Um, He wouldn't have access to the outside world. And I was talking to my friend about this case earlier today, um, and I was kind of explaining it. And I, I was kind of saying to him, would it make your life any more bearable if you had a family and children? And he said, probably, it would be a small little thing that was a bright spark in your life like Charles Jenkins who was abducted and met the love of his life there and it's it's sad i if he is alive i wonder how often he thinks of his parents i bet it's every day and they have said publicly that if he is alive he with his faith and the personality that he had he was very adaptable and he just would have adapted because he knew that there was no way out um Defectors say that people who are kept hostage there, who are valuable like teachers, they are really kept under lock and key. He wouldn't just be going for strolls in Pyongyang, um, things like that. And I I just don't have an answer for how we could help him, the Western world, um, because I... I'm not in politics. I don't have any I don't have any ability to speak to people who matter. But when I wrap up this case, I will give you some tools from the Sten family, um, the, which are on the Find David website, um, which if you are in America, I honestly don't think I can do it because I'm not an American. You have to write to the State Department or email them as Americans and put pressure on them. And if you have time or this case hits close to home for you, please do it for David's family. So since David's disappearance, his parents, Roy and Kathleen, have written 55 letters to various members of the State Department. This included Hillary Clinton during her time as the department secretary, and they did not receive a response, which with Hillary does not surprise me. Now, David's parents still live in Logan, Utah, and his room is a shrine, um, to their missing son. Now, according to Outside Online, the writer went there and interviewed, um, the Sneddens, nearly every surface in their home from the living room walls to the refrigerator has pictures of David across it, him in his crib as a baby playing ice hockey growing up and later traveling in China. His mum, Kathleen, said, quote, I don't want to forget him. How would I feel if he came through the door and said, Mum, you don't have any pictures of me? I'd want to scream no. I kept you in my heart and my mind and my prayers and you were always there. I can't take the chance that he'd think we forgot him. People say we're crazy, but that's their business, unquote. His sister, Jenny, his younger sister, said in 2019, this is an article from the Washington Post, quote, of course I want an answer to what happened. I lost a confidant and a best friend. That longing never goes away. There are moments when I will do something or hear a song with that reminds me of Dave, unquote. Now, Dave's friend who he was living with in China, who unfortunately wasn't with him at this time when he went missing, so he never knew what became of his friend, George Bailey. There are interviews with him online. He has spoken extensively about David. He has not been forgotten by anyone who cared about him. He has only been forgotten by his government. Now, David's parents at the time of the Outside Online article, which was written in 2014, six years ago, they were both 78. So both of his parents who had him quite kind of late into their 40s, they're both in their mid 80s now. Um, On the Find David's Ned Facebook, I had a look to see if either of them had passed away. There's no evidence that either of them had. So it's these two elderly people who want to know what happened to their little boy. And he and his sister Jenny were numbers ten and eleven out of eleven children. Um, and they deserve to know. Just because they have that many kids doesn't mean they loved any less. And it just shows the lengths to which they both went to, but Roy and his brothers hitting the ground and searching for David and getting these answers. So I will write a letter um, for this episode um, to the State Department about David. There is a template on the website, um, which I'm going to tell you about now. So to wrap up this episode, there's a few things you can do to support David Sneddon's family um, in the search for him. Um, And if you if you have the time, please, please do it. So follow the Find David Snedden Facebook page for regular updates about the case. Um, just type in David Snedden missing and it will come up. It's the main one with thousands of members. Now, the website is helpfinddavid.com and they have a whole tab called You Can Help David and it lists all the different ways you can do it. So they have a template there and... Um, and instructions on how to email Congress um, and how to meet with a local member of Congress um, in regards to David's disappearance. You can actually do that. Um, I obviously can't do it over here, but you can actually request to meet with a member of Congress and they have to meet with you. Um, So if you're passionate about this, at least write a letter or email them. Now, um, there is a... um, a petition to Congress, um, which is on change.org, which I've signed. Um, it is from the North Korea Freedom Coalition um, asking for a resolution for David's family. So just type in davidsnedenchange.org and you'll be able to sign that online. It takes two minutes. Um, and yeah, they have a form letter, which is all pretty much pretty much like um, a template. You just have to add your own details and any other things you want to add, um, which you can email to your members of Congress and you can click through that and get your member of Congress details. Um, It's all there. They've provided everything possible. Um, Now, the this page, you can help find David, um, has the information, quote, earlier this year, a joint resolution was introduced in the US Congress to help bring David Sneden home. The resolution would draw much needed attention to David's case, direct the government to investigate the likelihood that David is being held captive in North Korea, and involve the US intelligence community in current US State Department efforts with an eye towards bringing David home and securing his safe return. So it's very important um, to do that. Please, do. And also just on the website, um they have all kinds of information, articles about David's case, articles about other North Korean kidnappings, links to documentaries, a list of missing US citizens, um all kinds of stuff. So they've done an amazing job with the Finding David Snedden website. <sighs> so that's where I'm going to leave it for this two-parter on David Snedden. I feel a bit sad leaving him behind, but um I hope that I've encouraged some of you to at least just download a template and send an email, please. Um, I'm going to put up a picture of David's parents. And if you don't feel something when you see these two little old people um, in their mid eighties who are so distraught and so destroyed by this, um, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So, Speaking of Insta, follow Unknown Passage Pod on Instagram. I love our little community there. Email case suggestions, feedback, um, anything like that to unknownpassagepodcast at gmail.com. Visit the website. Um, I have put up David Snitten's website page. Each one after each episode gets a website page. So the website is unknownpassagepodcast.com. Become a patron. That links either um, off the website, but also you can just go to Patreon, P A T R E O N, dot com slash podcast. Um, if you've got the Patreon app, just search for me. Um, there is a $2 a month tier and a $5 a month tier. If you enjoy, The podcast, you want me to keep making them Um, so far. I have, as of today, nine um, patrons. And shout out to new patron Kevin, I just received that Saturday morning, and that was lovely to see an email saying you have a new patron. Um, So now, currently, it covers the price of the website each week, all of your each month, all of your support. So, thank you so much. Um, And I'm looking to get to I've got kind of low goals. I'm looking to get to a hundred or two hundred a month um at some point. But I don't do it for the money. Um I just want to buy a proper microphone and at some point, but then I will at some point need to get a MacBook. Um when I get back into work if this pandemic never ends and work starts coming back in. Um because my current my current um my current laptop is tiny and not fast enough. Um, it's not a MacBook. Um, it's not fast enough to, I don't trust it to keep recording, if you get what I mean. Um, and finally, if you haven't already, um, a free way to support the podcast to make it reach charts and to kind of get it exposure, which I want to get these people's cases out. I don't care about myself. Um, I don't really put myself out there very much. Um, I want to get exposure for these people and to get them back in the news and to get them the exposure they should have had from the beginning. But instead, people who are blonde, blue-eyed females get all the attention when it comes to being missing overseas. Um, and I really want to change that. And I have big lofty plans for some things I want to do that are pretty massive that I've started thinking about recently. So... um leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. I cannot tell you how to do that. I can only tell you how to do it on Apple Podcasts, but there are a million podcast platforms, so I don't know how to do it. Sorry. But by listening, you help a lot, but just go to where you can review it. Um, Tap five stars if that's how you feel. And if you leave a rating, also just leave a few words saying why you like the podcast. Um, I love that. So, I have three more Patreon request episodes coming up in the next month or so. So, when you become a patron, you get to choose a location for an upcoming episode. Um, And I have, um, from memory, Kay's, Trine's, um, and someone else's, let me look, Tony's, Um, and new patron Kevin, I have emailed him asking for his request as well. So those will all be in the next four to six weeks. The next episode, um, next week is not a Patreon request. Um, it will be a two-parter. Um, it will be kind of special. I'm not going to tease it. Um, but we're going to get, um, if all goes to plan, um, someone coming on talking about it. So I'm not going to tease much about it. All I will say is that this person deserved more exposure, um, for their murder and they did not get it. And, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So have a great weekend guys, um, wherever you are, if you're in the States or Europe, stay cool. Um, if you're in the Southern hemisphere, stay warm. Um, and I will speak to you on Instagram and talk to you then. Bye.